Hi, welcome to the second episode of Rewriting the Narrative, Women in the Justice System. Before we begin, we would like to acknowledge that this podcast was put together on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and acknowledge the traditional owners, past, present and emerging leaders. This podcast is put together by the team of the Living Free Project, a unique place-based partnership approach encompassing both services delivery and project coordination. These two elements work together in an effort to improve service system responses for vulnerable girls and women and provides a voice of advocacy to highlight the need for system reform. The team have embarked on the podcast journey in order to share their learnings and experiences and also provide a platform for the community to hear from others working to improve outcomes for women in the community and also to hear from those women impacted personally. With current restrictions in place, we're recording online, so bear with us on some shaky audio. The content definitely makes up for it. Today, we're talking about the importance of connection. Many women in the justice system present with complex trauma, and although they've made attempts to seek professional support, from our experience, it appears that models of care in services such as mental health or alcohol and other drug services do not prioritise the importance of connection in the recovery process. Those that do consider it a priority may sometimes have difficulty executing or developing connection and we have found it is often dependent on the individual worker's skills and preference to prioritise connection as a goal as part of their client's recovery or journey. Brené Brown defines connections as the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard and valued, when they can give and receive without judgement and when they derive sustenance and strength from the relationship. Women and Mentoring have just celebrated their 10th birthday and we have Trisha, their EO and Sarah, Program Coordinator, with us today to tell us a little bit about what WAM is and the values that underpin this unique approach to supporting women in the justice system. Trisha, can you tell us a bit about the history of WAM and what drives the organisation? Um, yeah, sure. So WAM was established in 2009 as a pilot project working with the Neighbourhood Justice Centre in Collingwood. And it was in response to identifying the lack of community support for women. Um, and this was specifically as the daughter of someone within the Collingwood Rotary had actually been charged with a number of criminal offences. And she was struggling to navigate the justice system and how to respond to her charges and deal with the underlying issues behind her offending. So the neighbourhood, um, so the Wellington Community Centre and the Collingwood Rotary actually initiated a paper um, and it was called Justice and Community Support for Women. And it was written by Dr. Sue Davies and Donna King in 2008. And this paper identified that if vulnerable women were provided support in the early stages of contact with the justice system, that would have better outcomes. And so at WAM, we know that women follow a distinctive pathway to criminality and tend to represent a lower risk, higher needs offender group than men. Um, and I think you spoke about it in your first podcast, which I listened to last week, but women are being criminalised through social issues such as homelessness, family violence, mental health, drug and alcohol misuse, and a lot of other um, negative risk factors um, like trauma from abuse, social isolation, low education attainment and, and um, poor employment prospects. And this pathway into the justice system, I guess for us, is something that we feel that we can actually do something about. 
can you tell us what drives you and um, why are you so pas passionate about supporting our vulnerable girls and women? Yeah, it's a bit of a no-brainer, really. I mean, mentoring uses the power of friendship and role modelling to help people in our community that perhaps haven't received that support in their childhood through to adulthood. Um, I believe that the work we do helps society um, become more equitable and some people just need a little bit more help than others. And we're grateful that we have so much support in the community, um, particularly from other women who put their hands up as volunteer mentors who feel the same way. Well, the Living Free Project is super lucky to work in partnership with WAM in the FMP area, Frankston Mornington Peninsula area. And Sarah's the program coordinator here. Sarah, can you tell us a little bit more about your role? Yeah, sure. So as um, program coordinator, I work with both the participants um, who are referred to our program and the volunteer mentors uh, who are women from the community that put their hand up to support the women referred to the program. So I refer, I receive referrals and assess program participants um, and gain an understanding of their needs and their presenting issues. Um, and I try to spend some time with them to get a really good sense of who they are, um, what their goals are, what their motivations are and why they want to be involved in the program. Um, and so I also recruit, train and screen volunteer mentors and I facilitate monthly peer supervision and professional development for them. And then ultimately I connect both a mentor and a participant um, by matching them for a one-to-one -one mentoring relationship that usually goes for about 12 months. Can you tell us a little bit more about what the mentor-mentee might do together? Yeah, so um, initially when they first meet up and establish their match, we just ask them to spend the first month um, also building rapport and sort of establishing that connection, getting to know each other. Um, but once they've found some common ground, we meet up and set goals for the program participant um, and they are identified um, by the participant and driven by them. So this is what then informs, informs what the mentoring match will do together, any activities around helping that woman achieve what her goals are. So it's quite unique to every match because every woman's uh, goals are different. Um, but it can include um, anything around addressing criminal justice system matters, it can include social connection, referral and access to services, rebuilding family relationships, um, a whole range of things really. Yeah, so Sarah and Tricia, um, we've mentioned connection, um, this is the theme of our podcast today. How important is making the right match with mentors and mentees? Extremely important to make the right match. So it's essential that I draw on everything that I know about the participant and also really take notice of what the participant has asked for in the mentor that I match them with. So um, I consider stuff around their interests, their hobbies, commonalities, um, but also the skill set of the volunteer, their available time and practical elements as well. So um, once I put all this together, um, you know, I try to make the ideal match for the participant and the strongest match that I can, I can find for them. Yep. So um, we've mentioned WAM supporting women in the justice system. However, in the Frankston Mornington Peninsula region, you have a program that's supporting our younger girls. Trisha, can you tell us a little bit about this and where the need came from? Yeah, sure. So this is in response to um, a growing need that we're hearing about in, in the Frankston and Mornington Peninsula region about uh, young girls that are being reported missing. They're perhaps not having the same 
role modeling and pro-social support that they need to get some good outcomes. These are young girls that might be living in residential care or living at home, but just not having that good positive role modeling. Basically, we've been asked by the Living Free Project to actually develop our um, mentoring program to work with this younger cohort. And we know that um, we think young girls will respond better, will respond well to developing friendships with other people in their community who perhaps are going to play that listening ear, someone who's in their corner, um, helping them perhaps explore what's in their community, um, what services they can access, but really just being someone who's there for them. Brilliant. Thanks. Lisa, you've got a question? Yeah, um, I, I guess, you know, the theme of this um, episode is really about that connection what we're really keen to hear your views on um, either Sarah or Tricia on the importance of connection and whether you think as a service system we could potentially do things differently to support women and vulnerable girls. I think I can answer this one. Um, I think that perhaps what we're sort of seeing particularly it's come from the report that WAM had had um, looked at in 2008 and it continues on now is that there is a lack of support for vulnerable people. The, the system currently is like a turnstile. People go in and out and it repeats. Uh, the recidivism rate is about 44% at the moment and we're not really doing anything to it to change that. And something like mentoring, which is relational, it, it's based on people supporting other people. It's using um, people within the community, it's using that collective spirit and it can actually address the criminogenic risk factors and reduce that turnstile effect of offending and re-offending. Um, it's personal assistance, it's practical support, um, it helps people build skills and capacity. So it's actually something that's really fundamental that might be missing in a lot of people's lives. And, and at the end of the day, it's about building those, when we talk about pro-social relationships, it's about building friendships and connections that are a support system that help people when they fall over, it picks them up again and keeps them going on their way. Sarah, I know that you um, provide that ongoing support as well to the mentors and the mentees. So is there anything, I guess, specific that you can talk about in relation to, you know, the, the difference in a mentoring relationship as, a pro, as opposed to a professional relationship? Yeah, certainly. I think the voluntary nature of the program, there's something really powerful in having volunteers that come forward and offer their time and support to another woman in the community. And I think the participants in our program have a real respect and connection to their volunteer just based on the fact that they know that they're doing it because they want to, as opposed to it being a professional role. And I think also the the mentoring relationship is not conditional. There's no agenda, there's no requirements of the women to that volunteer. Um, it's a program that's set up just to just for the participant in order for them to achieve what it is that they want to work on. So I think, yeah, that in itself is quite different to the traditional service model. Is there anything that you guys want to add just as a final point about women and mentoring or the service system? Yeah, I'd love to just sort of reiterate the fact that mentoring, um, it's, it's a um, cost-effective and significant crime prevention and diversion strategy. It's a response that provides holistic and empowering support for women. Um, and it's underpinned by the belief that it's a gender-responsive perspective that's required to minimise the harm of women's contact with the criminal justice system and reducing that rate of recidivism. Lisa, did you have anything you wanted to add? Well, I think um, I just on the theme of connection, I think we often 
we don't emphasise the importance enough when we talk about our vulnerable women and, and girls. So um, I, it's been great working in partnership with women and mentoring and looking at those more long-term sustainable connections. So just wanted to give a shout out and say thanks for that because it's um, great to see the women that are matched that actually grow and have that valued connection with their mentors as well. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, it's good to hear the stories of women that are matched, um, particularly when the relationship comes to its, you know, the formal relationship comes to its end with WAM, but the relationship between the woman and the participant actually continues well beyond the life of the program. Oh, social connectedness at its finest. That connection with the volunteer kind of has a knock-on effect. It's almost like that small, you know, that one-to-one -one relationship and connection that exists there then allows for further connection, whether it be to services, to family, um, and it sort of has a knock-on effect. I was sure. actually just going to mention about what, you know, some of the positives that you see within the program as well, because, uh, you know, we, we've spoken about the importance of connection, but I also know that you guys see some really great outcomes as well for the, for the women. Yeah, it can. It, there's so many um, great outcomes. And I think what's really important is the small steps that are taken along the way. So even though we create goals and they're driven by the participant, it's those small steps that allow them um, to get there that are the most significant that happen along the way. And they're of a very personal nature and they're not um, those that can be sort of easily identified always, but they are really significant to that particular program participant. So I think that's really important to recognise too. Yeah, it's interesting to see how we've also pivoted in this time of coronavirus where women are still connecting, but they're using different apps. They're sending photos of their pets. They're doing little cooking um, experiments together and sharing those photos. And so they're still building that rapport and that connection. It's just a little bit different now because of, of what, you know, the circumstances we're living in. But we're still hearing some wonderful stories about how uh, the participant and the mentor are still sort of sharing information about themselves, still checking in with each other and still providing that support. Mm, that's great. Now that we've heard from those driving WAM, Trisha and Sarah, we're lucky enough to have Louise, who's a WAM mentor, and Sam, a woman who's supported by the program. Louise, can you share with us what motivated you to become a mentor? Well, I recently, well, recently retired. It was probably 12 months ago. And uh, I'm not some, I sort of had a pretty full-on job in newspapers and publishing. So I certainly, and I'd worked all, all my life through to children and everything. So I figured that I would get terribly bored if I did nothing. And um, I'd done some volunteering at Sacred Heart and a few other places and decided that that's, I really did want to do some more volunteering. And um, so I sort of did a bit of research and my sister who works for Court Network, in fact, sent me the link to WAM. And uh, so I sort of thought, well, this is perfect because I wanted to work with women because I had actually worked in a male dominated field anyway and I could see what it was like a struggle for women to sort of you know get work and get the respect they needed and things like that so I sort of figured I had skills that I could share with some with you know someone who perhaps needed them and uh, yeah so that's how I started. Great um, can you tell us a little bit about what you do as a mentor? Look I think uh, as a mentor what we do try to do initially is really connect with the person 
we offer, uh, it's almost like a, um, I suppose, a safe house where, you know, they can say whatever they like and they can also, you know, discuss their problems knowing that it's entirely confidential and there's no judgment and there's no sort of family baggage or friendship baggage or I'm this new person who's a volunteer and from the um, participants' point of view, they volunteer as well. So, you know, from that point of view, you've really got to want to do it. So I think that's where, you know, the connection comes. I think, you know, we, the other things we do is we kind of, we can assist with navigating services. Uh, We did a lot of training on that through WAM, which was great. I really loved that. And it's that sort of, we offer a connection, I think, with with, uh, daily life and also normalcy because, uh, you know, a lot of um, participants have a lot of judicial obligations that they have to meet um, and a lot of people I have to see, and when they see me, it's it's really I'm not asking anything of them other than the fact that we do set that three goals that we sort of work towards. So from that point of view, you know, it's normal conversation, it's encouragement, it's honesty. You know, we and I think both of us sort of learn from each other a bit too. Where we, we I'm learning a lot about Sam, and I'm learning a lot about the judicial system as well. So, you know, it's a kind of mutual friendship, really. I think. So, Sam, thanks for joining us and giving some insight into your involvement with WAM. How long have you been connected to a WAM mentor, to Louise? Uh, Since January, the start of this year, and it's gone really quickly. Yeah, right. And had you had any experience with other health or community services prior to connecting with WAM? Not like this. I'm, I, when I was in my downtimes, I had utilised the uh, local community centre whereby they offered uh, support with more like food, not so much um, psychological uh, support like like WAM does. But other than that, no, no, I haven't. So what were your experiences with those services? Um, like how, how would you describe you know, the difference between that service stuff and having to having a mentor, I could say it would be quite... Uh, obviously, um, being a, 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 a community-based centre, mm. they've got limited resources as to how they can, <clears throat> they can help you. Um, and there's, you're not always met with... A sympathetic ear not that you want people to feel sorry for you um, but it, it's not somewhere where you'd stop in to sort of offload and have a chat um, just to put things back into perspective or to direct to uh, um, other services uh, which is yeah the difference with with WAM they they offer they offer that too I, I'm I'm just um, conscious, Sam, that you like that you access the community support, but was it I guess the not being aware of other services that might be able to support? Yeah, absolutely. And look, when you go through the pamphlets that are there, that sort of so that they are obviously meant to be a point where you can go and point of reference for other help. However when you're in that situation, if someone isn't sitting down with you, you sort of are unsure whether or not it applies to you because you don't know if you're bad enough. Does that make sense? Mm. 
Absolutely. It's like you've got to fit a box. You've got to tick all the boxes and who who knows? Like, yeah, that's a really good point. We'd love to hear about what you find rewarding as a mentor, Louise. Look, I, I the thing I find rewarding is watching Sam, you know, what we don't understand is that women do have a lot of battles they've got to contend with. And especially if you're on your own or with a partner and and in Sam's case with children, just sitting down and talking with her and sharing the highs and the lows is is really, really beneficial. And and I find that quite rewarding. And, you know, Sam has had some wonderful things happen in her life in the last six months that I've known her. And she's had her ups and downs. But at the same time, the wins are just uh, small things. But they, you know, I walk away from a conversation with Sam and, and you know, there's been something that she's managed to achieve. And I just can't wipe the smile off my face because I just think, well, you know, go girl. She's, she's you know, fighting every day and very sincere about her battle and very open about her battle. And as a mentor, um, I think I'm very lucky that she feels comfortable enough to share that with me. So I, I really find that rewarding. And um, obviously there are times when things throw you off course and, being able to, you know, I, I did say to Sam at the very beginning, I said, you know, if I ever step over the mark or if there's anything you don't want to tell me or you think I'm being judgy or some, anything like that, you pull me up. So we've got a very kind of um, mutual, equal relationship. It's not like as a mentor, we sit there and say, oh, well, you should be doing this, you should be doing that because it's up to Sam. Um, we're just there to support her really. And yeah, just move on to um, Sam. What do you find the most beneficial from having a mentor? For me, there's lots of benefit. Um, I guess specifically, I don't have a support network from my from my family, and so you can't have those unconditional chats with anybody. You know any someone it's got to be someone that I trust and I hadn't had that before and Louise allows me to be completely transparent and without we haven't had any moments where I've felt judged or she's stepped over the line and I think we communicate really well and I know that I can offload to her and it is that safe space like she said if that's what they're wanting to create for us that's definitely what I have with Louise and she helps me to be accountable and you know consistency is something that I'm still really struggling to be consistent (laughs) and being accountable and consistent are two really important things for my recovery and Louise keeps that for me obviously if there's instances where I haven't been able to do what I said I was going to do you know there would be a conversation around why that was not so much because Louise is saying you know why didn't you do this but more about keeping that accountability going and to get up when I've fallen over and just keep going so yeah, I I'm really blessed to have Louise. She's I couldn't ask for a better mentor. Oh, very cute. <laughs> yeah. 
That's so lovely, Sam. And, um, you know, I think as people that are supporting women in the justice system, and I think that you've really highlighted the importance of connection and unconditional positive regard, really. And I think people really don't understand the importance of that in keeping all of us sane, but also, you know, in your journey of recovery as well. So... Yeah, that's thanks for sharing that. I think also that it's, you know, we, we expect connection with people and and um, for Sam, who d- doesn't have family, who support her, just normal connection is a good thing and to build on that and watch it grow has been a really interesting exercise as well because, you know, every time you, you meet, there may be something that we've got to discuss that is a little bit tough but at the same time Sam has given all her all as well to this I mean it's not just me it's Sam and and she's embraced it and so yeah as you say the connection is really important Uh, you know if if Sam thought I was a a snob or a you know or whatever she'd walk away from it and so she should and that's where the WAM training is very good too because they do you know, go through scenarios and teach you how to to handle any situation, really. But also my past has probably given me some of those skills as well. I, and, and just I would be really interested, Sam, to um, you've obviously come into contact with Louise through a journey through into the justice system. You know, was there any points prior to that that, that there could be opportunities for connection and connecting with a mentor like Louise? It seems um, I'm asking, I guess, why, why, why do women need to go get to the point where they're involved in the justice system to get get the connection? What can we do better in the community? I guess if I had had... The community centres are obviously where I was going before I hit the justice system. And like I said, they've got those pamphlets, but if they had a, a social... I don't know, a social worker or a volunteer with sort of the understanding of what those other resources are or could look like that would have been really really helpful because obviously that was a point in my life where I felt that I had no support and that was sort of my my go-to although there wasn't that actual like the support I'm getting now if that makes sense funnily enough I've been through so much and my life was so backwards and upside down however in the last 12 months since I've been sentenced to a community-based order through drug court. I have had enormous support and they've been able to engage me with programs such as WAM. And it's unfortunate that I had to go through all of that to, like you just said, or in order for that support to be there. I wouldn't change a thing. Obviously, I'm remorseful. If I could go back and change things, I would, but you can't. And I wouldn't be where I am now with the with the connections and support that I have now if I hadn't have been through all that. So, yeah, I guess it would... I don't know if there's training that can be done with the community centres to sort of... I don't even know if they're aware of half of their pamphlets on the shelf, you know what I mean? But if there was someone there to be able to meet with to direct, I think that would be enormously beneficial. Sam, you had a suggestion for the drug court as well on how they could handle things that you spoke to them about. I mean, maybe you should talk about that. Remember you spoke to them about sort of uh, when people connect with drug court, you've obviously connected very well. 
And you yeah. said that others struggle with that and they treat it as a bit of a joke or whatever. But yeah. you, you were suggesting a kind of role at the drug court that they were sort of discussing with you? Yeah, the peer support coordinator. So I guess it's about having someone who can speak is bilingual. <laughs> You've sort of got, I guess, the colloquial language that the people who have been down and out, the barrier is very much there by professionalism sometimes, or there's feelings that they can't go and ask for help because there's that barrier of pride and looking like an idiot. So I guess it's about understanding when someone's talking to you is picking up on those light cues in order to be able to push them in that, or not push them, but guide them in the, to those directions where the support is available, rather than making them feel like an invalid who 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 needs help. Does that make sense? Yeah. So kind of feeling heard and respected and um, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Is there peer workers at the drug court? Uh, no, not at the moment, but I believe that they're trying to get funding to get one in there. Yeah. Oh, great idea. Great idea. Yeah. Yeah, and that's something that Sam's kind of picked up with her experience with drug court. And it's a really, really interesting suggestion too, because I think it goes back to that sort of connection. And often, look, I'm probably speaking for other people here, but um, sometimes the connection with the professionals is seen as a connection with a professional, but not a connection. And yeah. um, the professionals are doing their job, you know, they're, they're providing the support, sending them to services, those sort of things. But sometimes, you know, a normal conversation can bring out things that, you know, you think, ah, okay, this is what this person needs to do or whatever. And that, obviously that's due to funding and lack of numbers and, and you know, overworked people. I'm not criticising anyone there, but... I think that peer support kind of next level down, it's almost like, you know, someone who kind of relates a bit more and, you know, you do, you do find that sometimes people just do not connect to their social worker and, and often the social workers are very busy. Mm. Yeah, that's maybe, right. maybe we should um, rename this um, episode Authentic Connection, the importance of authentic connection because that's actually what it's about. What, what Jana yeah. said, like feeling valued, feeling heard, and unfortunately, yeah, we, we, we've got a bit of a way to get that right in the service system. So peer workers like you, Sam, that's, that's what we need to really advocate for in, in building those connections. Yeah, and when you've got someone, you know, like Sam, who's had that experience, who's been there and, mm. uh, you know, and struggled her way back and also um, been able to, you know yourself, if you're talking to someone who's experienced the same thing as you, you connect a lot better. And that sort of peer worker suggestion that Sam's got, I think is a really good idea because I think, you know, Sam raves about drug court and she, you know, she's really connected with it and um, it works for her, but it doesn't work for everyone. Brilliant. Well, I think we've got some really good insights and I really appreciate you two for coming on today and yeah, sharing your experiences with women and mentoring. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to our second podcast of Rewriting the Narrative, Women in the Justice System. 
We would like to thank our special guests from Women in Mentoring, Trisha, Sarah, Louise and Sam, for their insights and knowledge, particularly on the benefits of meaningful connection and what that looks like. Tune in next week where we will be interviewing Dr Rachel Hale from Federation University Australia, our resident feminist criminologist, to talk about her research into women's pathways to desistance from crime.